Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Research and development. Putting in the man hours to study the science of what you need. Last week, we put liquid paper on a bee. And it died. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup! Can I tell you something though? You're getting angry? I love you. Yeah, you big guy. Ladies and gentlemen, I have just been handed a very important and urgent news message. It says here that if you're not subscribed to the All Gas newsletter, you're doing it wrong and costing yourself money. So make sure that you're signed up for it. Go to allgas.beehive.com backslash subscribe. That's allgas, A-L-L-G-A-S dot beehive, B-E-E-H-I-I-V.com forward slash subscribe. And with that said, Adam, welcome in everybody the dynasty degenerates my co-host adam we are so glad to be back for another episode of the 4d chess dynasty football podcast this feels like episode a billion but it just feels like the first one every time as well so adam how we doing tonight buddy you ready to do another 4d chess dynasty football podcast episode i just like saying the full name i don't know why just me absolutely we're doing another 4d chess dynasty football podcast it feels like the first one because you still got the juices, right? Like it's the first time you've ever talked about it. But it's the billionth because we keep doing it. And we're going to be going a billion miles an hour talking to you about everything you want to know. Dynasty football. It does. Is that a Tom Petty song? It feels like the first time. Am I going to have to sing it to you too? It I feels th- like the first time. Nope. James Morrison or Foreigner. However you want to go. I think you need Either to one. sing it for the Dynasty Degenerates though. You know? <laughs> no, we're good, buddy. I am I am excited because we are literally a week away from real football, uh, real NFL football. We had week zero in college. Uh, I got to watch Nebraska get their ass kicked. So all's right in the world. Uh, Iowa's about to shit stomp them for the eighth straight year. So yay us. Uh, you're Ohio State fan, so it doesn't matter. You win every year. <laughs> I mean, doesn't it get old? You know, get old, buddy. Yeah, it does because every year it's our year. Ryan Day goes up and says how we're supposed to win. We're not supposed to lose any games. And guess what? We haven't won a title in a while. Um, 
for a team that's supposed to win every single year. So they set themselves up with these crazy expectations like there's not Bama or somebody else that's going to get in the way. Not not to mention they end up losing to some Big Ten school that they claim they should always beat and stomp on. So, yes, it does get old. Oh, man, you poor thing. I, I feel for you. My heart bleeds for you, buddy. I bleed for you for the Ohio State University. I know you love it when I say the, but Adam, the. cut down day. Cut down day was this week, Tuesday. Bottom of my rosters were in shambles. We touched on the EMA, but what are you doing? Like, who are some of the guys that you're going out and, and <laughs> we play in some deep ass leagues, buddy? We do. Yeah. I've noticed, like, when I have to cut like three or four guys at the bottom of the rosters that I go to the waiver wire, I am scrolling for a bit until <laughs> I find somebody that gets interested. But who are some of the targets that you're? I don't even know if you could call them dart throws, Adam. I, I really don't know if that is an appropriate term because it feels even worse than darts. It feels yeah, worse than darts somehow. Yeah, I would say it's just uh, roster consideration, right? It's not even like dart throws yet. Like, I'm hoping they become a dart throw. But right now, I'm yes. just try- I'm potentially putting them on my roster. Mike, I think like some of the names are not names I'm really thinking about ahead of time, right? Because some of these guys got cut, man. Now, yeah. I haven't moved on from Kevin Harris just yet, but it, we're getting close to me saying, okay, I don't know, man. If no one picks him up, right? Like, what happens? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'll give you one. I think I got beat up to him in a couple leagues too, which is showing how really desperate some of our leagues are. Is uh. Deion Jackson from the Colts, right? Like I just, oh boy, I I just traded for him. Did you? Okay, lie. all right. Yes, I did. All right, <laughs> I I got him. I think a couple places, but I also noticed like a few times. I'm like, really? Like I got, wait, stop! I got beat by a few bucks because everyone's fabs getting ready to reset and all that. But I I, I literally pulled off a trade today for Deion Jackson. Okay, uh, this is what this is where we're at a deep lineup league. So let me preface this by saying lineup because I don't know if I make this deal in a uh, a best ball league, Adam, necessarily. But I have definitely fully embraced the Eric Vanek and Scott Connor approach. Right, Go check those guys out, America's Game Podcast, on this network. You don't even have to go that far. And just like for us, please rate and review. But I fully embrace that where there's these roster clogger wide receivers that you just need to get rid of. Like, you're never going to start these dudes, okay? Tyler Johnson is one of those dudes that fits that bill in lineup. Oh, yeah. I traded away Tyler Johnson on the news today when he got picked up by the Texans for Deion Jackson in, like, a fourth-round pick. I just said, here we go. <laughs> Let me take the running back. Let me take the third-string running back with – I don't ever want anything bad to happen to Jonathan Taylor. Don't get it twisted. But if he gets food poisoning – and you know, gonna set out a game. I know that Deion Jackson's probably getting the bulk of the carries because Naheem Hines ain't it from the Bell Cow standpoint. Adam, that's that's where I'm at and what no, I know. He's not. And I know that I could start Deion Jackson for that week at least once. I never know when the hell I'm gonna be able to start Tyler Johnson in the lineup league. Now, conversely, in a best ball league, I probably want Tyler Johnson because he might just happen to fall into the end zone or catch a twenty yard pass sometime for a touchdown. And that could be eight points, could make my lineup. Who knows? So, I don't know. It, it's weird that you say Deion Jackson because he's one of the guys on Sleeper that I starred. Was like, is he available anywhere? <laughs> like, Can I just add him in? I know every time he – like, I went through – it's crazy, too. Now, I, I go through all my leagues, right? Like, it's like a long process getting through all the leagues, like 20-some plus. 
but every single one I went through and looked for Deion Jackson. I know that there was some that he was already uh, rostered in, but every ch- chance I had to waiver him, he was like one of the first guys. Like, all right, that that was one of my first targets every single time. So, um, who who, who did you pick up? I, I, let me take a look. There's some other guys I know too. So I have a I have a starred list of guys who I'm I'm comfortable getting right. Um, who I'm like willing to take a shot on for whatever reason. Uh, we talked about Tyler Johnson being a roster clogger in like best ball leagues. He's on this list just because in case he was out there for that exact reason, I'm just looking for guys um, for actual lineup leagues for the dynasty degenerates out there. Uh, Kyler, uh, Kylan Granson. Like I'm just, Hey, why not tight end? Right. I, 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 had, I had him rostered already on a few teams. Yeah. Uh, Chig Okwankwu. Yep. Quanquo. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing Yep. Um, my guy. And this is for more of a more for best ball than lineup. Let me admit it. Mike Mike Strong. Mike Strong made the roster of the Colts. Yeah, I, I saw that last. They, they put in sleeper last roster spot acquired by or, or taken over by Mike Strong. Yeah, I had him a couple places. I actually think I added him in two more places because. Very, very low, very low roster percentage on sleeper. And I know in lineup, like that's a good point you made, right? right? Like in lineup, that's a roster clogger. Not even saying in best ball he couldn't be a roster clogger. But like Mike, I'm a lot more comfortable taking the dart throw type receivers that maybe have a chance to get on the field and give you two weeks because Mm -hmm. that's a body. Whereas like let's talk about even Deion Jackson, right? Yes. Like I, I, I'm I'm with adding him in best ball, but the reality is if Jonathan Taylor's healthy all year and Naheem Hines is there, like he's gonna end up being a best ball roster clogger. But I'm gonna I'm gonna roster him because I think there's an upside if things break right. But week in and week out without something happening, I don't know that he does anything. Yeah. Um one guy that got cut and signed to a practice squad that I still I I I, I maybe cut too many shares, I should have been more patient was actually my guy from Iowa, Tyler Goodson. And when I look at the Green Bay roster, Adam, they only kept two running backs. It's Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. That's it. The other two they put on the practice squad. They put Patrick Taylor and Tyler Goodson on. So there's a scenario where they play the, uh, what do you want to call them, the fuck-fuck games during the uh, with roster movement during the season where you know they send yeah, a yeah. dude down to bring up the third-string running back. Sure. I've also heard like – well, they, they might use like Randall Cobb or Amari Rogers in that role in the case of emergency, but let's be honest, they're, they're probably going to want a third running back on game days. So I probably shouldn't have cut as many shares as I did, but I've quickly gone back and like tried to pick them up. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry I made a mistake, Tyler. Come back because uh, Kylan Hill's on the pup. So like that's, I mean, we saw that devastating, gruesome knee injury that he suffered last year. You remember on that kick return where it just, he, he kind of had like the Willis McGahee thing where it made you cringe and knees bending the wrong way. So yeah. not expecting a lot out of Kylan Hill, but Tyler Goodson, little Iowa connection. Why not? I, I got my heart broken today when the Vikings cut Amir Smith's Marset. So yeah, that one's down goes man. one Hawkeye stash and, and, and here comes Tyler Goodson back. I guess I get a little bit, I, I guess, uh, you know, the one thing there is like the Amir Smith Marset really sucked. Like there, there was a there was a few cuts this year. I was like, I think it happens every year. But you're kind of like surprised, like, man, really? That that one sucked. Yeah. I, I will say that the talks, and I don't know if anything happens because I don't know if anyone cares to pay anything for this player. But like, I think 
the fact that they're trying to shop Madison, and if that's true, like that bodes well for our Ty Chandler love. Yeah, Ty Chandler, and, as well uh, as uh, in, in Wangu. Yeah, there was some there was some Kenne Wangu floating around on my waiver wires out there, and I quickly scooped him up. So I noticed that I didn't uh, I didn't even think to check for him, and in the one place I saw you get him, I'm like, God damn it! I need looking for people, and I overlooked him. <laughs> Might as well, buddy. Might as well just try to get the edges where I can. Um, most of these guys probably aren't going to do anything, but uh, Charlie Kohler. For whatever reason, some I, I got a few extra Charlie Kohler shares. He was just floating around on a couple waiver wires too. Yeah, maybe because of the Isaiah Likely stuff, but definitely just uh, Charlie Kohler is on the injured reserve, not season ending, just short term. So right, uh, he did have a sports hernia. So those are the guys that I'm trying to backfill, Adam. Um, speaking of rosters <laughs> and kind of being dumpster fires. How do you feel about, and this is the the main topic of what I wanted to touch on tonight with, in, especially in regards to best ball, but we can also do some with lineup, handcuffing or owning specifically at positions where there's only one starter, like one relevant player. So think like quarterback, tight end, running back, not so much at the wide receiver, but owning multiple pieces of the same backfield or the same quarterbacks or the uh, the same positions, right? I don't mind having the quarterback and the running back on the same team. Let's not get crazy. I'm not that OCD about it. But I'm talking like owning like two, three, four running backs off the same team and Adam and just hoping that you're getting one of the guys, right? That That's kind of the bet you're making. I'm getting one of them at least, right? Yeah. How do you feel about it specifically for best ball first off? Well, I – so to answer that question first, um, for best ball, Mike, the way I, what I learned last year, I would say this is one of the biggest takeaways I have from best ball. If I'm contending now, if I'm rebuilding, I think I'm, I'm fine with that. Go ahead. And, Cause I'm going to take probably two or three guys that don't have a chance at making my lineup. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Yes. But if I'm contending now, right. And I think this is more of the bigger discussion and more prominent discussion we need to have. My roster construction in best ball, and I think this is one of the pieces when you talk about best ball and lineup differences that really needs to be talked about and discussed and hammered home. They need to look very different, right? Mike, and there's a lot of different ways, but if I'm in best ball, to answer your question on the handcuff, in general, I don't want two, three, four guys on my team even that have a chance that basically don't have a chance to see the field or see the field very much. Like I want everybody, even if it's not a good chance, like I want like McKenzie last year, right? Now we know he, he takes a step forward this year, but he didn't do dick for you. But guess what? In the playoffs, him being on the field gives you a chance for 30 something points. Like I would, I'll roster those guys that maybe they don't have a bunch of really good weeks, but fuck man, they give you two weeks. Like that's worth the roster spot. The problem I think with doing the handcuff approach and best ball, especially if you're talking more than one, like an entire backfield is I'm probably looking at two, if not three of them that don't even have a chance to make my lineup. And for me, that's yeah. And that's what I'm saying for me, that doesn't make sense for my roster construction. I'm with you, man. I'm not talking about like the traditional handcuff, which I hate to do in pretty much any format. Um, I think we've probably talked about that before too, where 
I don't like to do it because it just feels like I'm betting against myself. And I feel like I could put my chips elsewhere. So if we just talk about traditional lineup league and you take Dalvin Cook, I'm not taking Alexander Madison at cost. Now, that's not to say I won't draft Alexander Madison in the startup, Adam, but he's going to have to come at a discount. Like we're in round 12 and Alexander Madison goes in round nine. Be like, well, shit, I'll probably take Alexander Madison here and either I'm going to trade Dalvin Cook or I'm going to trade him, but the value's too damn good for me to say no to. Of course, yeah. It, it's got to happen organically. I, it's I not can't an intentional force, force yes. thing, correct? Yeah, yeah. I, or the same thing like when I'm making trades. I try to be agnostic in like the players I'm getting back. Like I don't actively go seek handcuffs, but if you were to send me like a backup running back for a, a stud I already have, if I'm not paying you the premium because you're sending me the handcuff, cool, toss them in the deal and I'll move them, move them later. But in regards to best ball, I'm fully with you. I've always kind of thought that maybe I would be a little bit more inclined in these shittier backfields, right? We all know the, the backfields that are hard to read and hard to get a gauge of who's going to be the guy, who's going to be the starter. So if you think San Francisco, historically, <laughs> under, under Shanahan, has always just been a rotation of guys. You know, Jeff Wilson has some weeks. And then uh, last year was supposed to be Trey Sermon. And then it ended up being Elijah Mitchell. And then before that, it was Raheem Mostert. And it's always been this convoluted mess of you don't know who the player is going to be. Now we're looking at the same kind of situation in Miami with Mike McDaniel coming over. And we got Chase Edmonds. And we got Miles Gaskin made the team, which I don't think a lot of people anticipated. I know me... I was devastated when Sony Michelle got cut because I thought he was going to be the guy who would be like the sneaky value play. And then uh, he's just not there. And now uh, he's out in LA <laughs> with the Chargers. Um, but so you got Chase Edmonds, you got Miles Gaskin, uh, you got Raheem Mostert, <laughs> the aforementioned one that we already had. <laughs> Seems like he's just going to bounce around to all the backfields we don't like. And then uh, New England. Like we're we're probably going to be looking at something similar in New England, right? There there was a lot of Ty Montgomery hype, like talk this offseason for whatever reason. Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris is still there, and Pierre Strong made the roster. And we know what New England's done historically with the running backs. So I've always thought that maybe in regards to best ball with with handcuffing, not their traditional sense, but the the super crusty that I might be a little bit more open to it. But the more I think about it, Adam. Taking two, three, four of these guys even, it it honestly feels like you're just setting yourself up for multiple season-long zeros that's never going to pay off, where I feel like you could put some chips somewhere else. Like you really could just put some money down, place a bet on red 16, and hope that week eight that pays off, or week nine you hit something. So I'm not into it. I, I don't agree with it. And it really only applies for the running back position and quarterback and tight end, right? The wide receiver position, I'm all for having like a team with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd, right? It doesn't matter because we've seen wide receivers, multiple pass catching options go off for big games or have fantasy relevant games at the same time. You rarely see two running backs have a good fantasy week and you sure as shit ain't ever seeing two quarterbacks, <laughs> Two quarterbacks have big fantasy games on the same team. That'd be very strange. Can you recall a situation ever where you saw that, Adam? Yeah, I mean, as far as that goes, I mean, 
you're looking at running backs. There's some running back rooms where maybe two guys can actually see the field and both score points like a Zeke and a Pollard, right? That's not necessarily a handcuff. But a lot of times at the running back position, there's one guy that's the focal point. Or even if he's not like the true bell cow in the sense, he's the one you want to have rostered. The other guy's not really going to do much as far as roster consideration, lineup consideration, unless something happens to the guy in front. Same thing with quarterback, right? Like, I mean, we're not talking college football here, right? (laughs) You're looking at one of the quarterbacks that are going to be basically the guy that's scoring the points and playing almost all the snaps outside of situations like Trey Lance coming in for a few plays and you don't want to have him in your lineup. So at wide receiver, yeah, there's plenty of, like you said, you you made the talk about the Bengals wide receiving corpse, right? I'll take Chase Higgins and Tyler Boyd on the same thing if I have to. I'd take... Debo, Ayuk, and George Kittle if I had to. No problem there. But at running back, especially quarterback, I'm not looking to have the said handcuff. Um, unless it's, you know, just it makes sense from a ADP standpoint. I'm just going to take the backup quarterback on this team because there's nothing else I can do for roster construction. Even then, like backup quarterbacks in best ball, why do I want to roster too many of those guys? I'd rather have someone that can score points. That was a, a prime next question I was going to ask you, buddy. Was in your best ball, your optimal construction for your contending teams? How many is too many of these backup quarterback types? Like, you know, we, I, I like, I like Desmond Ritter. I like Sam Howell. I like Malik Willis. You know, I like these guys as darts. Um, I don't know if there's like too many other backup quarterbacks. Like I'm comfortable. Like I don't usually get down into the muck and go with the Teddy Bridgewaters of the world or Bailey Zappies or whoever the fuck's backing up Justin Herbert these days. You know what I mean? I usually don't go that route anyways. Like I'm trying to go for guys who I think might have an opportunity to play during the season. But how many of those guys on your contending teams is too many? Like how many are you comfortable having these guys who are possibly zeros for the entire year. Yeah, I think, Mike, um, you you bring up a good point here, actually, to discuss, right? And I think this is not just quarterbacks, what I'm going to talk about here. But let's use your case of Desmond Ritter, for an example, right? If I'm contending, and it's a super long roster, 35, 39 spots, that's fine. But even still, Mike, what I'd be looking to do is probably try to move Ritter for the the current market value and put that as a player that's a wide receiver in the second round range, right? Or a running back in the second round range. Try, try to get a Tyler, Tyler Algier or something like that, right? A oh, guy yeah. that actually can make your lineup versus, yeah, Desmond Ritter, maybe Atlanta sucks and maybe Mariota's not the answer. I mean, we'll, we'd all be shocked if he's actually the answer, but at some point Desmond Ritter might take over for Mariota. But, Mike, what if it's 10 weeks and you're just sitting on Ritter? Zero after zero after zero after zero, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that to me, that that's one thing to discuss is I'm moving off of some of those quarterbacks, if I can, that have value, that are more of the backup quarterback range right now for guys that are in my lineup. If it's a start, or, you know, regardless of what the start is, if it's a long 39 roster, you may have to – roster some of these mutt quarterbacks but it's not really what I want to do I'd be happy to drop a Teddy Bridgewater for a guy that could make my lineup two three times 
So let's think about existing best ball teams, like for the dynasty degenerates out there listening. Yeah. What would you do? Like, how can we help them out? So let's say that they are rostering uh, the Miami backfield, right? They, it doesn't have to be all of them, but they got like Chase Edmonds and Miles Gaskin, or they got Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert. Okay. They're sitting on them. They're on a contending team, obviously, because I don't think you're rostering Chase Edmonds. <laughs> If you're on a rebuild, at least the way we like to do it, yeah, we sure. don't recommend it. But so you're on a contending team. Instead of having that, like, what would you be pivoting off of? Like, planting your flag on one of those guys? Are you going to plant your flag on Edmonds? Are you going to plant your flag on Mostert? Are you going to explore deals and see like which one's the best you can get? Like, what do you think you could reasonably go out and try to pivot off of to get something else that may not give you as many zeros? That's a good question. I think so. If I'm, if I'm, you're, you're talking from the rebuild standpoint here, correct? Talking from the contender standpoint, I, like I said, I don't think you'll have Chase Edmonds on your team if you okay. rebuild. Okay. So, so if this is from the contending standpoint, I got no problem with Chase Edmonds on best ball and contender, right? At the right cost, right draft yeah. point. Like I'm fine. You know, it's yeah. not. I'm not an Edmonds guy. Listen, don't mistake me for the Edmonds guy. That being said, like on best ball, at a certain point. I'll take him. Um, like I'm trying to think realistically, like what what Mostert though. So so I, I guess the problem is like I don't know what Mostert even get. What what would Mostert net you truthfully in like draft pick value? Is he is he even going to net you a fourth? I don't even think so. Mm. Do you? Probably not. No, like draft actual draft pick. No, no. So, so, so that's where it becomes Mike. Like to me in best ball. I, I probably just try to pivot off of him for a receiver, but I don't even know like how far down that receiver range I would be. Someone even laugh you out of the building. Like, where can you start realistically? So, surprisingly, I pulled up ADP just to get a, a general feel of like where he's at. Okay, so I have no idea on on most. It, it, if you're sitting with this exact dilemma, congratulations, today's your day. <laughs> We're gonna help you out with a specific player, but most are in the 19th round. Okay. RB 68 off the board. All right. So I'm just thinking pivots for me in that range. Like Eno Benjamin goes after. Okay. Would you would you be better off with a Chase Edmonds Eno Benjamin package than you would feel with a Chase Edmonds Raheem Mostert? Two guys in the same team versus splitting it up a little bit. You're you're probably better off with the Eno Benjamin. You, you have more upside, I think, which sounds crazy. I mean, you probably it, it it probably feels negligible, but I think that from a from a team standpoint, you have better with the Edmund side. All right, so Edmonds you and also Eno men- Benjamin. I'm sorry. You also mentioned like wide receivers. I think wide receivers probably your play. Yep. Um, Velas Jones. God, yes, give me Velas Jones. Um, let me go even worse. Okay. Cause a lot of these guys in the range, like Devin Duvernay, Kyle Phillips, Kendrick Bourne, all guys that I immediately say yes. Oh, th- there's not a receiver you mentioned that I'm saying no to. Let's go shittier. Um, Jawan Jennings. At that point, like, I'm, I'm not going to hate you if you just stay with Moster, but I'd probably just take Jennings. Cedric Wilson. Fuck, <laughs> you stay on the same team if you want. I think I'd take Cedric Wilson. Like, Mike, uh, I think in that range it's probably Devin Duvernay, no? 
Maybe, but I mean that Baltimore passing attack is so damn like one. We know it's condensed, but like there's got to be somebody else who makes a couple plays at some point during the season. Why not Duvernay? Well, that, that's my point. Not not that Devin Duvernay's like in lineup. I'm gonna be like pressing the button on him, but like Devin Duvernay is still athletic enough to where like he could score touchdowns and catch a few passes and make your lineup. Like, would it be crazy to say he makes your lineup three times? No, right? No. Like. How how many times do you think Raheem Mostert makes your lineup this year? If if you're already flag planted on Chase Edmonds, kind of being that guy, which is why you took him, right? Like you already made the bet that Mostert's probably not doing shit. Yeah, you <laughs> maybe made the, twice. You, yeah, you, maybe twice. Maybe 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 breaks off a long one. Man, I think you can even get way down there. Like I'm looking at. These are guys, honestly, I'd take. Like, if I if, if I'm sitting on it for whatever reason, I'm. Well, stuck I got a good on one it. here for you, buddy. How, how about Equinemius St. Brown? Wow. Again, Bears offense. Who the fuck else is there? Yeah, just a guy, right? Just yeah. a guy that 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 may get you two, three weeks. Did you? Which is which is what you're probably expecting for Mostert at best, but at least you're diversified. Right. Correct. And I think the other thing is. You're looking at probably similar weeks they make your lineup, but with Mostert, it's like you're you're looking at one or the other. You're looking at basically two guys accumulating one spot, right? Yes. Like yeah. the 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 likelihood too. This is another point, especially as you get into the weeks that matter down the stretch in the playoffs. What's the likelihood that Mostert and that Chase Edmonds make your lineup in the weeks that matter versus? Somebody else makes your lineup with Chase Edmonds that matters. Yeah, at the same time, too. That's like, what I mean. In the same no, week. In the same week, yes. Mm-hmm. Not very high. No. It's not or at least happen. if you're diver- At least if you're diversified, you have that opportunity. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I mean, we're talking about turds down here. But well, in best ball, they're reasonable turds. Let me, let me give you one that maybe the ADP is going to creep up here. But like I, I'm looking at a prime target here in ADP. Zay Jones. Oh hell yes! Not a not a chance. Zay Jones, yep. I think, is a very good one to look at because Visca's gone. Kirk can't get every damn target from, you know, our boy T Law. I I know that Marvin Jones is still there, but Zay Jones with Labisca getting traded out, like I think Zay Jones is in a spot to make your lineup more than you think. Yeah. Um, the other possibility I thought about doing was inverted, Adam. You keep Mostert and you try to send away Edmonds. Well, that was the one I initially thought because that makes more more sense. O- only because of this, right? Edmonds actually nets you. Because here, here's what happens in best ball too, Mike. Right? And this is every league, but there's running back issues for teams because there's just not enough of them. Edmonds yeah. is somebody that nets you a real asset in best ball for somebody that needs running back. So I'm maybe you say, you know what? Especially if you're in a portfolio type mindset, you have multiple leagues. All right, in this league, I'm going to diversify off of Edmonds in case I'm wrong. I'm going to have Mostert be the guy because one, I can't net anything but a 20th plus round pick for him. Whereas yeah, Edmonds, right. I can net a 10th round and up startup pick, which... Mike, I mean, you're talking like what? What do you think Edmonds can realistically buy you in best ball right now? I'm I'm gonna think like 
for the running back position, like it's probably going to be team dependent, right? You're going to have to sell to another contender or somebody who needs like running backs because rebuilders aren't buying them. Um, yep. I still think you kind of got to do the thing where you get a little bit crustier than like where his ADP is right now. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think one for one, somebody's going to be like, yeah, I'll give you, uh, um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I'll give you Kareem Hunt. I'll give you, right? They're not going to buy Chase Edmonds just to pivot like that. You're not, you're probably not getting another running back unless you get gross. Could you, could you pivot in the same round though, Mike, to a receiver? Yes. I think that's the play to go. Right. And it's, you, man, he's going in the 10th. At the late tenth, so I'm thinking like, anyone, would anyone trade you straight up for Kadarius Tony? Maybe, maybe because the running back has that positional scarcity, right? Correct. Somebody that's saying, you know what, I got seven receivers and I have one or two I, running I backs. Need running I need ball. something. I need a running back. Yes, I think that's a possibility. But even then, man, if if you go down another round, like Chase Claypool, Alan Lazard, Alan Lazard like is a good one. I was looking at. I think I think Alan Lazard's a target. Maybe the window's closing because it's redraft mindsets coming around and Lazard is projected to be the one there. But like I just don't think in Dynasty, if you're talking to the Dynasty Degenerates, right? Everybody listening? Dynasty Degenerates, like we we like Lazard this year, but how many of you have been Lazard truthers all along? Yeah. You know what I mean? Not- like you're not you don't feel like you're pivoting off of some crazy real asset. All right, so we did like the Miami ones. The other good one to do is like New England. Okay, so you got Ramondre and you got Damian Harris as the main pieces. I'm not even going to throw in Ty Montgomery and Pierre Strong, like I mentioned earlier, but let's just talk about the main two guys. Okay. Is there any benefit to rostering both of them? Because we saw these guys kind of alternate. And it, I don't know. I didn't really dig into the splits, but it really felt like when Damian Harris was healthy, he was the guy. Mm-hmm. And when he was out, Ramondre went off. Yeah. Do you carry any weight that if you had both of them, Adam, you're pretty much guaranteed like a decent enough running back week for him? Like I'd have to look at the game splits for both of them to really tell you, but it almost feels like you're kind of doing yourself a disservice. Like if I look at where they're going right now, so you got Ramondre at RB 32, 9 11. Okay, mm-hmm. and you're looking at Damian Harris, eleven oh two RB thirty seven, so relatively close. But we kind of just talked about some other like wide receiver targets, some running back targets. I mean, shit, we just talked about Chase Edmonds. Do you think it's crazy if you had Ramondre and Damian Harris? If you said I'll give you Ramondre straight up for your Chase Edmonds, that somebody wouldn't do that, and maybe even somebody who's on the youthful, productive struggle side, right? They go like. I don't really want Chase Edmonds. Like he's a little bit. Let me hit a little bit of an age reset. Let me take Ramondre off of you. Well, well, so here, Mike, I'm looking at it right now. Okay, so Damian Harris had one spike week. Oh, and, and had six six above average weeks. This is what happens, man. I make a sweet spreadsheet, and I don't even fucking use it. Yeah, I got you though, buddy. I'm 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 using <laughs> your you. spreadsheet, so let's uh, <laughs> appreciate. We'll tell you. the uh, we'll tell the people, right? And then you look, you go down, Ramondre. What's crazy is he had one spike week as well. He was the number two running back in week ten. Damn. So so here, here's the other thing about that spike week in best ball. Like say whatever you want, Ramondre may have won people weeks in week ten, being the number two running back. 
Like that's crazy. Yeah, um, but he sure. only but he only had two consistent weeks, right? So kind of rough in that department. I mean, outside of the one week where he won you a week, interestingly enough, Mike, week 17, he was uh, running back six, which is one spot out of the spike week. He was almost two spike weeks and two consistent weeks. Damn. All right. Now, I would say this. This is probably the spot where it's like, I'm not really into the multi-backs from the same backfield. Mm-hmm. This is maybe the conversation where I'm like, I'd probably try to diversify if I could for the same value just to give myself more upside as far as the same week goes. Yeah. But like if you were going to, if you're going to say, you know what, man, I'm just going to take these two guys because here's the thing, right, Mike? The other thing too is you're looking at when these guys are the guy, there's a running back three, a running back two, and a running back six. So three weeks you had top six production out of both of these guys. So mm-hmm. like because of the way Hoodie kind of runs things, it's like you don't know who the hell is going to be the running back that week, but a lot of times it'll just be like that guy's show. So maybe I would keep both of these guys here. Like I'm having a conversation about it. But even like you said, if I can pivot off of Damian Harris, like where, Damian Harris in startups, is he going – is he in the 10th? 11th round, 1102. So it's kind of the same range, right? Yeah. I mean, he's in the ballpark. It's it's not absurd. Like, it's not crazy difference between the two. Um, you're talking RB37 versus RB32, so five spots. Here's a good one. Would you – I know this is going to sound really gross, but would you go to Would you go to Rashad Penny? Damn it, I think I would. Yeah, I would I too. I think I would. There, there's, your, there's your target. It's, it's actually beginning of the 11th with Harris, back of 11th for Penny. I think that's one that maybe makes sense for values. And for you, you're looking at, listen, Penny gets hurt a lot. Like, I don't even know how many weeks Penny will give you. But, hell, man, you're talking about at least diversifying your portfolio from Penny and Ramondre can probably make your lineup. What you saw there is what's not happening is Damian Harris and Ramondre spiking in the same week, period. Here's something that I think is underlooked, especially for best ball. So you can kind of avoid this for lineup, at least in my opinion, for how I like to do it. But in best ball specifically, Adam, in lineup leagues, I don't have a lot of interest in the scat backs, the third down guys, the receiving role. So think J.D. McKissick, Naheem Hines, those kind of guys. In best ball, those dudes do become in play because you don't need to choose when to start these guys. A thousand fucking percent. A thousand fucking percent. That is always the most frustrating thing in the lineup is you start Naheem Hines one week and he scores two points. And then you put him on the bench the next week and he scores 24. You're like, what the fuck? All right, I'm putting you back in the lineup and then he scores you six. And you're like, I just can't figure this guy out. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at it, man, if you're looking at Damian Harris specifically, like Rashad Penny, that's an easy one. But I'm looking at Naheem Hines in the 14th. I'm looking at... Uh, Michael Carter, you know, we, we think it's the Brees Hall thing, but I, I think Michael Carter will probably have some weeks. He, he will have some weeks in that offense. Uh, JD McKissick's probably even farther down. I don't even know where the hell he is. 17th round. Yeah. Almost <laughs> off the map. Whoa. For fuck's sake, baby. Um, uh, but it, it opens up to you those options. Like I give might- you my Damian Harris for your JD McKissick and give me something else. Like well- give me Isaiah McKenzie too. This is where I think, though, 
if you're talking in best ball and a team that is looking at like needing running back help, like you could probably ask for Naheem Hines and it's going to sound gross, but let's say it's like Naheem Hines and a God, KJ Osborne. Oh, there you go. Right. There you go. There's your, there's your best ball two darts too. Right. Versus someone might say Damon Harris maybe is the projected RB one in new England. Okay. Well, here you go. Here's your Damon Harris. I'll take KJ Osborne and Naheem Hines, and I'll take the the, the two darts too. Well, like KJ Osborne gave you he, he didn't give you any spike weeks, but he gave you five consistent weeks last year. Yep, that's decent enough. Naheem Hines for, from people really like Naheem Hines this year because of Matt Ryan, and they didn't like him last year because of Carson Wentz and the not checking down to running backs thing, right? The whole thing that went on. But Naheem Hines would have given given you. One spike week and two consistent weeks. So you're looking at seven consistent weeks and one spike week out of that package versus your Damian Harris, who gave you actually surprisingly played pretty well. <laughs> I think I think people forget that he played pretty well. He gave you two and five. Mm-hmm. So maybe you miss out on a spike week or two, but you gain a consistent week or two. Fair enough for me. Fair enough. Like that is something I think you should explore. But I'm with you on that that point. New England might be the weird situation where I think we might have a hard conversation about it. Like if I had yeah. Stevenson and Harris, it's in best ball in lineup. Fuck no, because I I don't know what to do the, every the, single week. The but thing about best it, ball, yeah, because because maybe. there's I think there's two big pieces with it in best ball, Mike. One is. For whatever reason, he, he he forgets very. When I say he, I'm talking Bill Belichick. He gets very into like the game scheme, and you don't know when it's coming, but he knows. And there's a guy that's going to get a lot of the work, right? So maybe it's a. But then the other thing is, so one week it's Damian Harris, the next week it's Ramondre, or vice versa. We we've seen this play out with James White, all the other guys they've had there. But Mike, here's the other thing. If by attrition, Damian Harris goes down. Like, like, let's just give you a hypothetical here. Let's say you traded away your Damian Harris for Naheem Hines and this KJ Osborne, right? Yeah. Like, those look good. Those look good in best ball. But, fuck, man, what if Ramondre goes down? Mm. Damian Harris, if he gets full workload for, like, six weeks. Yeah. I mean, you could be looking at, like, oh, damn, I wish I shot higher. Like, I wish I just would have kept Harris. So... Like I, I think I'm having a discussion. In the like you said, it's the weird. It's like the twilight zone, right? Like it's like the one r- rare spot where I'll think about it. But other than that, typically I want to diversify. The other big backfield that stands out to me is the 49ers. Elijah Mitchell, TDP. I guess <laughs> do we have to include uh, another undrafted free agent, Jordan Mason? Now, well, like, you know, we got to include. <laughs> you, you know who we don't have to include. Trey Sermon, see ya, peace. This year, Mike, I don't even have to tweet out they left him in the taxi squad. They left his ass at the crib. It it never occurred to me either, Adam, to the first ever podcast that we did in our history is me solo shitting on Trey Sermon, and then your first like big tweet that you send out is you dunking on Trey Sermon, getting left on the taxi squad. And that's that's a guy from the Ohio State University. So like you know he's bad even when you're like, nah, nah. nah L- listen, 
Trey Sermon had a glimpse. Like, a, he gave you a, literally a glimmer in, like, the right spots hitting everything. And then, like, he got third-round draft guy, but I'm like, okay. Dynasty, I'm out. Like, I was mildly rooting for the kid when it's like, all right, maybe yeah. he's this upside guy type thing in Dynasty. Like, maybe I'll get him cheap. It went to, like, what a fucking first round of rookie. Like, just, <laughs> I've seen this kid not make the field. Miss me with this, you know? All right, so let's look at then Elijah Mitchell and TDP. I think that'd be the next one on the list, right? I, I, I'd have to scroll a bajillion ways down to find Jordan Mason, who's just a waiver wire pickup for most people. But even Jeff Wilson, like I'd have to scroll a ways to find him. But we got Elijah Mitchell, probably the, out of everybody we talked about, the most highly valued guy because when he when he was healthy he was getting the work so 711 for him but tvp you know a lot of people sleeper 14 11 if you had both of these guys this is especially one where i look at i think like elijah mitchell's the one that i would move and my flag plant would be on tdp not it has nothing to do with talent man i love elijah mitchell i had so much damn elijah mitchell last year because the cost was cheap and i love the guy and I moved quite a bit of it, thankfully, but you know I still had a few floating around heading into the off season. I love the guy. I like the talent. I, I love the kid. It's just, man, we're talking about a 49ers team that scares the shit out of me when it comes to running back usage. Like I don't know who this guy's gonna be. Like I, I feel like I want to capitalize on that seven eleven value right now. Yeah, I, I think this is. San Francisco might be the toughest one to have conversations with because it's the one you have to have it with most. But the reason I say that is this, Mike. What you know about Shanahan is this. Two things. He's He can make anybody go in that offense. Mm-hmm. You can plug anybody in. However, if he chooses a guy and a guy gets the tire work – that guy tends to have a chance to be a league winner, right? Like if Elijah Mitchell stayed healthy all year, he was a league winner. We saw Devontae uh, Freeman years past be a league winner. Like if you get a guy that gets the work in Shanahan's offense, oh, that's Alfred a guy Morris you want. From way back Alfred Morris. Yeah, go, yep. keep going. There you go. Exactly. Yep. Perfect. Yep, I get you. But the problem is how different those two things can be. Because it can be anybody – any given week, it could be Jeff Wilson. It could be Jamichael Hasty, who's not even on the team anymore. It could be uh, TDP now. It can be Elijah Mitchell. There, there's so many things that can happen in this this fucking offense at running back, and you know with his scheme, whoever's in for that game has the chance to be a very good running back in fantasy. Mm. Like, if, like if you told me I had to roster three running backs from the same team, Mike. I'm probably picking San Francisco. I would. I don't. I don't want to do that, right? But I'm just saying, if you told me, like, like if you have to roster three running backs from the same team, who? What's it going to be? <clears throat> have to roster three running backs from the same team. You make a strong case, man. You make a really strong case. Ooh, that's going to be a tough one. I mean, it's a question we don't really answer much because we don't do it, right? But. I'm not I'm not gonna lie though, in best ball, I think maybe I give some consideration to the Rams. 
Okay. Like, I love Cam yeah. Akers, and I think he's going to be the guy, but what if, what if? I, I'll give it to like, you. Cam Akers, Darrell Henderson, Kyron Williams, right? That's your three? It's, cra- it's crazy that it's in the same division, too. It, well, it is absolutely crazy that it's I, in the same division. I, I'm not going to say there's not another answer that makes sense. I'm not going to say you can't do that. I'm just saying I'll give that, you. I'll give you another one. Okay. The Cardinals. <laughs> the Cardinals. Okay. I, I wouldn't be the one to do that because I don't think – well, go ahead. Make your case. So, Cardinals, same situation. Chase Edmonds had some weeks until he got hurt. Right. And James Conner was an afterthought. Correct. And Chase Edmonds goes down and James Conner is Stop. a league winner for a lot of people. Right. Yep. It's just the way that these high powered, high scoring offenses seem like in the NFC West, like I don't is it okay? We're not gonna include Seattle in this one, I can tell you. That not so, happening. Nah, I'm good, man. Not a not a Geno Smith slash Drew Locke at some point because no. Geno's bad too. Like no. I know Drew Locke's horrible, but Geno's not that great either. But Something about that division, man, with these running back positions, it just seems like if you can find the guy, especially in best ball, who's the guy that week, you have a shot at having some major spike weeks. Like, yeah. Well, what, where was Chase Edmonds when he was healthy last year as far as like spike weeks? Because I know James Conner, the touchdowns were ridiculous and came on at the end of the year. But I remember Chase, Chase, Chase Edmonds having some weeks, and maybe I'm, you know, I got that confirmation bias going it could be right i'm now. looking I'm, I'm either missing his name or he's not that high up or, or he's that he's that far down maybe it's really bad i don't know well but maybe maybe it's also like the year before bleeding over too i don't know but well, well i mean listen i'm not saying there's not another answer out there but but what i'm trying to get at is in la even right like let me just make this case if yeah. If Akers goes down, and, and you know I love him, but let's just move, remove that from the equation. Mm-hmm. If he goes down, I think Darrell Henderson has a chance to be absolutely giving you a lot of spike weeks. That offense proved last year with Sony Michelle. Like, we can do it. Yeah. You know, oh, and Darrell Henderson earlier in the year. Correct. I, I remember trading for Darrell Henderson in the best ball league. Before the injury happened, he was giving you some serious weeks. Giving um, you some weeks, yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, he's right here. He had... He two, wasn't half two, bad, two and six, you know, and, yeah, that, and then he got not, hurt not. later. So, like, I'll get you there. My my only thing, if we're talking about doing three, though, the reason I make it three is because mm. now when I go to third, like, I don't know, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think Kyron Williams now projects to <laughs> okay, be yeah. the guy, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Whereas in yep, Frisco, was, the the thing with yeah. Frisco, I think, is Mike, if Elijah Mitchell goes down and TDP goes down fucking you might not even have to get to tdp but you know jeff wilson can give you rb one weeks in that offense yes yeah that's the thing with frisco i i concede man you're 100 110 fucking percent right like kyron williams at one point we thought he was going to be something and uh then the combine happened and, and maybe he still becomes something but i'm with you I've actually seen Jeff Wilson give you RB one fucking weeks. Yeah, we've out seen of nowhere. <laughs> right, we've seen Jeff Wilson <laughs> go nowhere. for almost thirty, and you're like, wait, what? You know, geez, I've I've seen those weeks too where they just don't have running backs, and like Kyle Uzcheck is something in fantasy. Yes, for fuck's sake. So, and that that back to the you know point originally is my my point was this offense in particular. Like I I said, Twilight Zone for New England. I might have used that phrase a little prematurely. 
because, like, Mike, if you're going to make me roster multiple running backs, it's going to be Frisco. And, and I guess this is where the conversation is a good one because, Mike, if it's Miami, as much as I like to and that offense taking a step forward, I know it's the same scheme, but I don't know for sure that they're going to give you three running backs that are RB1 weeks. It's the same principle, same idea. So it's circling back to that Dolphins thing because it's now the same scheme. But I just don't know for sure if that's how they're going to utilize the running backs yet and if it, and if it's going to actually matter for fantasy. I get you. I get you, man. Um, I think just generally I just want to stay away from three running backs. <laughs> I just, getting getting, I just back, getting back on the tracks. <laughs> back to the main point. Outside of a very, outside of like the Frisco offense or New England having Bill Belichick doing his thing, I'd say thirty teams, twenty eight teams. Like I just, I don't want to do that. I don't want to play that game. I want one shot at the dartboard on that running back, and I want to diversify the assets onto other teams because I think there, instead of having three guys that have one shot at spiking or one shot at making your lineup. I have three guys, and maybe the odds aren't crazy, but I have three guys that have a shot at making my lineup and three guys that have a spike week possible possible all in the same week. Yeah, it, it's kind of like when we talk about doing two-for-one trades, right? Yes, there's a scenario where both of, uh, you know, if you're the guy getting the two side, both of the, both of the assets that you're getting bust or, or decrease in value. Of course you will. But you have so many options and so many outs on the other side of it to break even or smash through the value value ceiling. I think it kind of applies to this running back talk that we're having here, especially in best ball, where if you kind of just put all your eggs in one basket of the offense, yeah, you get that offense as a running back. But you're missing out on so many other possibilities of getting another fringe guy who gives you a week here. Or you double up on multiple weeks at the same time. You know, you, you get like three lineup spots filled all in one week. You know, a couple of flexes and a starting running back spot, which is massive. It's absolutely massive because every time that you're filling a spot and you're getting an above average week, Adam, you know, that kicks somebody else down. That kicks somebody else down these lineups. And, and start nine doesn't make as big of a difference, but in leagues that we like to play and a lot of people are, are starting to come around, you know, start 12, start 13, start 14. It's huge. It's absolutely huge to be able to have double digit flex production every single week. <laughs> it's absolutely massive. You can overcome a lot of deficiencies that way. So I think I'm with you, man. Like I will give a conversation. I, I'll give you that. I'll give you a conversation on New England and I'll give you a conversation on San Francisco. Yeah. Everything else, no. Quarterbacks, fuck no. All no. right. I, I might carry like one. <laughs> I might carry like one dart. Uh, hopefully, Desmond Ritter starts at some point during the year. Yeah. That's it. I'm not going to carry Ritter and Malik Willis and, you know, <laughs> Sam Howell and be right. like, well, one of these guys might do something during the year. That's, I'm probably taking three zeros. At worst, I'm taking three zeros. More than likely, I'm probably taking two zeros, and like one guy does something week ten, and I really didn't gain shit. But uh, before we get out of here, Mike, because you know what makes best ball and and just in general dynasty fun though, 
the strategies and the different concepts when I'm talking direction build, when you're talking direction build. Dynasty generates when you're thinking about your team and what you're doing. Because in best ball, Mike, what's so great about it is on the contending side, like you said, I'll let you, or I would probably like try to shop, but if I couldn't do it for the right value, I'll hold Ritter. You know, if I have to hold him, I'll hold him. If I'm rebuilding though, Mike, I'll I'll have Ritter, Malik Willis, Corral on IR. I'll have, you know, Sam Howe. I'll take them all. Yeah. They're yeah. not going in my lineup. And guess what? Yeah. The best part about the rebuild too is, Mike, I can take the zeros. This is what's really 4D about it. I can take the zeros, the zeros and then and not only do I want them, when the value bump hits and they're going to go to my lineup, guess who is on the block and gone before he makes my lineup? It's Boom. fucking Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter <laughs> scores me no points for the entire season, whether he starts in week four or week 16. <laughs> I love it. That is fantastic fucking point where you are embracing the zeros because it's beneficial to you. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. <laughs> <laughs> You're I love damn it. Damn right. You're damn right. You're damn right. I do. <laughs> I need. I need my zeros. I need my zeros. And it doesn't look like you're tanking, right? Look, he's trying to hit. A, he's trying to hit the long ball at the quarterback position. He's actively trying to make his team better. But no. The, the, I mean, he's gonna. Well, I, I say that, like assuming because I know there's a value bump. I'm gonna move him. I mean, like if if you force me to hold him, I'll hold him. But like, yeah. I am still doing the same concept. Like I'm still holding him until the value bump hits to move him, which I'm believe it or not, Mike, I'm probably going to try to do that in lineup. But if I'm rebuilding in best ball, it's helping your build. It's helping your pick. And you're also able to play the value. So like it just, it fits the build so well if you do it the other way. Whereas what's funny is I think people think I'm going to hold Ritter until the spike hits until he gets the point. But what you did is you miss six, eight, ten weeks of anybody yeah. in your lineup, right? So on the contending side, I don't want that. Like it was nice if you had Tyler Huntley when he got you QB one week last year, week fifteen. Right, that was dope. It was absolutely dope. Really dope. But uh, weeks one through five, zeros. Weeks six and seven, outside the top thirty quarterbacks. <laughs> weeks eight through ten, zeros. <laughs> Week 11, he give you a quarterback 18 week. Cool. Week 12 and 13, zeros. <laughs> like, that's a lot of zeros that you're getting for one damn week where you're like, oh, I was glad I had him. Like, see, I'm smart. That roster spot, if you held, like, assuming you didn't get him on waivers at some point, if you held him the whole season, yeah, that roster spot gave you one spike week. Now, if you made it to the playoffs, shit, he might have won you the week, but. You rostered a zero, basically, on your team for all those weeks. Maybe he made your lineup one other week. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit like of that hindsight where you think like, oh, I did great because he had that one week. But in reality, if you were to look at it and you would have kept churning, kept churning, trying to find that that person, that person that could consistently maybe give you two. Three weeks, that wide receiver, that backup tight end who would like fall in the end zone, right? Probably would have been more beneficial to you. Mike, like if you're taking zeros that long, 
I'm sure there are people with Tyler Huntley who had him from the start of the season who did make the playoffs. Yeah. I'm guessing most people picked him up in season. Right. But even that, if you started with Tyler Huntley, I'm guessing majority of the people took so many zeros in best ball that they didn't see the playoffs. <laughs> that's, they mismanaged the roster. That's kind of the point is don't mismanage the roster. I, I think um, last point I want to get to before we get out of here, Mike, because this is a big difference in lineup in best ball. And that is when you're talking about roster construction, right? So you're looking at in lineup. Like I don't want to have a bunch of these roster cloggers, right? I want to have these running backs that if it hits right for them, like I don't have to worry about starting them. I don't have to worry about points at all. But in lineup, when they do hit, I'll press the button on this guy because maybe he gets 15 carries. He's projected for almost 20 touches. I want that in lineup. I don't want that in, in best ball. Too many of them. I'll take some of them. Not too many of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas, Mike, like to give you to give people listening, Dynasty Degenerates, names that made lineups consistently last year. Khalif Raymond. E. Right? right? Tell me that's not yeah. roster clogger city in lineup. <laughs> in the lineup of those. When are you pressing the fucking button on Khalif Raymond? Never. Or when do you feel good when you press the button? If you press the button on Khalif Raymond in lineup, your team blows. Let's just fucking say it how it is. <laughs> Mike, Cedric Wilson last year, one spike, four aver- above average weeks. Get the fuck out. Mike, this no. is this is not this is this is a dead serious conversation though about the difference in lineup and best ball. Yeah. Roster cloggers in lineup are that. They can be that if you're talking like a Terrace Marshall, right? Like if you're hoping for these young upside rookies that don't project to see the field a ton, that that's do that's a roster yeah. clogger, right? But KJ Osborne probably was somebody that people thought was a, a roster clogger. I mean, dude, you, you could go through the list, Mike. I'm not exaggerating of roster cloggers and lineup that in best balls, if we got 30 plus roster spots, I'll, I'll take it because let's see here, Mike. Donovan Peoples-Jones, the one week Jawan he gave you a top Jennings. five week, you know, <laughs> yeah. Juwan yep. Jennings, right? Like, you can go down this list, and in, there's Khalif Raymond. Like, the, Mike, it's just crazy because you do not want to roster these guys in lineup. You want to move them off. When, like, in, in lineup, you have Khalif Raymond, and he has a great week. He's on the block, and you want him gone now. Yeah. In best ball, like, I'm okay letting him be my – bottom five roster piece. Whereas in in lineup two, like I'll roster all these running backs that can hit, and when they do, you're like, yes, there it is. Boom. I got the one key that I needed to make a lineup consideration. All those zeros in best ball don't, don't help you. Let's look at it too. Like you're talking about these turd-ass wide receivers. And this is something like Scott and Eric had been talking about. Like from their lineup approach, really just getting any running back who makes a a team, right? Because when you know that they're going to start, you know, you might get, you know, one week out of them. And and that's all you're really looking for. You don't roster the wide receivers that don't really have a chance, like Khalif Raymond. Correct. The guys guys you'll never feel good about starting, right? Those are the roster cloggers to them. Braxton Berrios. It is almost the complete fucking opposite in best ball, Adam. It is almost the exact complete opposite. You're talking about the Khalif Raymonds. But I'm looking at the running backs who gave you 
Like these are dudes on the roster getting work who sucked and did nothing for you in best ball. Mike Correct. Davis, Mike Davis, David Johnson, Samaj P. Ryan, Jeremy McNichols. After Derrick Henry went down, remember the Jeremy McNichols thing? Of course, nothing. Mike didn't give you a spike week. Didn't give you an above average week. Didn't give you shit. <laughs> they didn't give you dick all, Mike. You know what's funny is um, I found Chase Edmonds. Yeah. Did you? Yes, I did. Okay. He's way down there. Not as good as I thought. Um, no, <laughs> no spike. history. No, no spike weeks. He did. He did crawl in your lineup twice. No spike weeks. No spike weeks at all. My bad. My bad, no, y'all. Listen, Revision is history. Listen, it's okay. It's a discussion. We're, we we should have them. We can't get everything right, you know. But it's just funny because like when you this is a conversation that's real about the differences in lineup and best ball. Like Mike, I don't want to keep. I wasn't interrupting. You. I just want like who else did you have that you were saying that really didn't do shit but got work as far as a running back? Damian Williams, another one, right? Nothing. Wow. Nothing really. Yeah, just nothing. Not an above average week, not a consistent uh, spike week, nothing. Holy hell, I wouldn't have known. I would not have guessed that. Alex Collins, you remember Alex Collins being a thing multiple I, times. Mike, I traded him in the shit OG league in best ball. Tell me how bad it was. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. He his didn't make best, it at all? Zeros? His best finish was RB17. Couldn't even make an above average week for you. Holy shit, really? So maybe like on your shitty teams would enter your lineup on your decent enough teams that start, actually play. Start thirteen and you just don't have depth. That's the funny thing though, Mike, is that's another good point. You know what? Man, that's a point I hadn't even thought of. When we're talking about best ball, right? People don't think enough about the true difference in roster construction and best ball and lineup, Mike. This is a really good point. Alex Collins is fool's gold in best ball. Yes. But somebody that doesn't have a deep roster might say, I can get Alex Collins for damn near nothing from McNutted. I need something to be my last three pieces because my team's so bad. You're getting picks that you shouldn't even get because this guy blows. This is also why I think uh, you just look at this. It's so concentrated for the running back position of actual difference makers. We touched on this before. Towards the top, at the running back position, it's so concentrated. And at the wide receiver position, it is spread the fuck out. It, it goes way down there. Where you're talking about Khalif Raymond, right? <laughs> Being serviceable, usable. So if we're looking at best ball, it is almost the complete 180 from what Eric and Scott are talking about in their lineup leagues where it's like roster running backs with a pulse. And I fully get it. I started embracing it in my lineup leagues. In best ball leagues, Adam, like, I'm probably going to kick them running backs to the curb. Not going to lie. Like those those, those RB3 types, these Samaj P. Ryans, these type of dudes, they don't do shit for me. Like just give me a random wide receiver. Give me the Ty Johnsons of the world. Like that we did the trade show yeah. that will come out on Monday. We did the trade where I traded away uh, Ty Johnson in, a, in return. And in a lineup league, I got uh, Deion Jackson in a fourth-round pick. And I love that in a lineup league. In a best ball league, Adam – I'm the dumbass if I do that deal. Like Dude. I should have the Ty jo- the Tyler Johnson. Like yeah, that's yeah. the guy I should have on my team in best ball. Here, here is a good Mike. It's funny, man. This tool is so useful in so many different ways. All right, you want to know dynasty degenerates 
how I can tell you without it being ATM's opinion or McNutted's opinion, they love running backs, they're idiots, those positions suck. Okay, fine, I don't even care if you think that. I'll give you numbers. You ready for this, Mike? Hit me. Hit me. Okay, okay. 40 running backs gave you a spike week. Okay? Yeah. Now get this, Mike. Let's take away all the ones that just had one spike week. Yep. 20 running backs. 21 running backs in the entire NFL gave you more than one spike week. That's it. Pure, it that's crazy. Wow. That's, that wow. is a good illustration of maybe you get some guys that make your lineup. Like if you think you're going to stud your team up with a bunch of other guys to make the team good – and you're mm-hmm. just going to get running backs that make your lineup here and there? The above average types, right? Right. The guys that are above average weeks. They're make you lineup. But guys that make a difference on more than one occasion in a 17-week season. There's 20 of them. That's wild. There's 20 wild. of them. <laughs> That's it. That's it. it. It's so weird, too, how it kind of works out, too, when I'm talking about, you know, uh, we we did the uh, Antonio Gibson pod during the Expo week, right? Where we were talking about buying them for a first and J.K. Dobbins and Cam Akers. And, like, it hasn't gone well since then. It's just kind of gotten worse, and we, we take more and more heat for it. But I meant what I said, what it really feels like to me, there's only about 15 running backs in Dynasty football where I'm like, I feel good with these dudes. Like, I feel comfortable paying a first or better for these dudes to have them and everybody that comes after it, I'm like, mm, we're getting sketchy as shit. Like, I don't know if I can rely on them week in and week out. And you're talking here last year, the numbers. Now it's not 15, but it's pretty fucking close. <laughs> 20 running backs are the only ones who could give you multiple weeks, multiple weeks. It's, it's wild, man. It's wild. To, to, to your point, if you went to three spike weeks, it's 14 running backs. So, hey, there we go. There's the number. There now, l- now listen. Like, I- I'm sure if y- you could find numbers on the other side for the wide receivers, but yeah. I-, I think this is a point. I think uh, running back in the NFL is a very replaceable position, but you got to dig deep and you got to dig hard to find the replaceable running backs that matter in fantasy. Yes. I think that's a, I think that's a, something to keep in mind. Running backs in the NFL are very replaceable, Mike. Very replaceable. But in fantasy, the ones that matter, the difference makers at running back, they're not all that replaceable. So, <laughs> we're both. Uh, I'll take more of the blame here than anybody else. Adam, did you notice when you're looking at this spreadsheet, you scroll to the bottom, our boy Tom... Shout out to Tom. Tom's fucking amazing. I forgot Tom had put in the uh, the sweet pie graphs. Yep. So if you, if you roll down and you look at percentage of all spike weeks by running backs, and then you hit the wide receiver ones, you can see it crystal clear, night and day, which ones and how concentrated it is. Which one has bigger pieces? The Giant big, pieces The big of the pieces pie. of pie that people actually want to eat 
versus the ones that look like they left out at the front door for a cat or a dog to eat. And again, it gets even worse at the tight end position and the quarterback position. We hmm. should tell you all you need to know about why just inherently, like I'm not operating off this. I should be using the my own fucking tools that I made. <laughs> I should be using the dope feature that Tom put in here for us. But I'm a dumbass. <laughs> just inherently, this this it's not confirmation bias when there's actual facts and data and fancy little colors to back it up, boys and girls. I think this is a good time to hit y'all with that uh, Patreon.com <laughs> forward slash. South Harmon, you might be like Mike. You might be a shithead, but come be one of the shitheads with us, man. Because uh, we got data. Mike has data in there. Tom has pie graphs data. to make the data look good. We got it. Data, love it, Adam. It, a very interesting show. I, I opened my eyes to a few more possibilities at the running back position. Like I went in with some uh, some bias. So I'm like, I'll never do this. And and now I'm I'm thinking about it, right? I'm gonna have to make a new spreadsheet that I probably won't use. <laughs> L- listen, but, uh, this that's a good point. That's a good point too, Mike. It's if I like having discussions because like if you can give me a real reason that shows me that my side's wrong, I I'll, I'll take my fucking side off because I don't really care about my side. I care about making my rosters better. I care about winning money. And I care about yeah. helping people that listen to me do the exact same thing. That's ultimately I what that. I care about. So if you can give me a if you can give me the other case and say you're just dead wrong, I'm here for it. But I I want to know that it's not just my opinion being wrong. I want to see numbers and stats that say you're a dumbass. Well, Dynasty Generous, we hope hopefully we helped you out especially in your basketball leagues let us know what you think if you have any feedback you want to join the conversation patreon.com forward slash all gas get you into destination devi we're always having discussions in there yes as adam plugged our patreon too come on over to the shit show we're having discussions in there all the time but last thing i said it at the start of the show and i fucking meant it Make sure you go subscribe to that newsletter because there is dope content in there. And who knows, Adam may be inspired to write this week's article. (laughs) A little blurb from the 40 chess. Adam might put one in there. You never know. I might put one in there. But there is so much good content in there for free. For free. And Ray has said it before. He is absolutely ludicrously nuts. He's crazy. He's loco for giving it away for free. He should be charging. Maybe one day he will be charging, but that newsletter is fucking fantastic. Go subscribe today. Adam, you know what to do, man. It's that time. Take us out of here. Yeah, man. The, the newsletter is really dope. Um, because because uh, same conversation with the different outlooks. You can read through the newsletter and... I mean, it just depends on what level, what level of a reader you are, you know, like if you need 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, but you can read through that quickly and you're going to get a lot of different dynasty views and different opinions. And a lot of it, even though it's different than everyone else, like it's all really good consumable content and you can read it in one sitting. I, I, I promise you, if you're not subscribed to the newsletter, it'd be my main takeaway, regardless of everything we said on the podcast, go subscribe to the newsletter. It's really good content. So <laughs> an hour long podcast takeaway. Just go subscribe for the news. Don't listen to us anymore. Go subscribe to the newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> I 
love it. And a perfect time right after that to tell you, just remember, when your league mates are playing chess, play 40 chess. That's going to do it for us. We're out of here. Peace. Peace.